Hello and welcome to the Eating 1871 podcast with me, Jeremy Inson. I'm talking to the people involved and bringing you all the news from Eating Trailfinders Amateur Men's Section. I hope you enjoy the show. Eden. Hello and welcome back. Uh, it's, uh, it's a new year. You've already heard from Lewis Stedman, the, uh, the captain. Now we're going to hear from a few more of the squad starting tonight with H, otherwise known as Harrison Slater. Good evening, Harrison. Good Justin, evening, Jez. Justin from the cold. Very cold night for training. How was it out there? Yeah, good. A uh, bit, bit, bit frosty under the feet. Uh, Bit, bit tough on the ground, but the boys were in good spirit and it, it, was, uh, it was good fun to get out there tonight and training. Lots of smiles on faces, especially after the weekend. So, so really good to get out there tonight. What was it like? There were a few cold hands? Uh, yes. Yeah, very much so. A uh, few people in four, five, six layers. I won't name names, but um, yeah, there were some cold faces out there uh, and certainly a few of them that wanted to go home the minute training started. <laughs> and uh, not too many schnoods or earworms. Um, I think there was a couple out there, so there might have to be some words said about that. But um, yeah, there were a couple out there tonight. And you mentioned, you just mentioned it's Saturday, uh, 40 mil win away to Melbourne. That, that gives everyone a bit of a boost on a day like tonight, a night yeah. like tonight even. Yeah, massively. Um, it, it was good. It was a really good win. I mean, it was awful conditions uh, at Boggy Mead, so no wonder it got its name. Um, you know, it was always good putting the processes we did in against St Albans. I mean, there wasn't much we could do in the second half other than give it to the big boys to run it up and put it under their jumpers. But um, yeah. Seeing as we had them here, and it was a little bit of a disappointing score when we had them at Vallis Way, uh, 37-17. And uh, as the squad remembers, uh, they, they couldn't wait to have us back at, at Boggy Mead in, in the rain and the mud. And it was great to nil them at home. And uh, yeah, we, we look forward to, to Hendon this weekend. But conditions, I think, were, were probably some of the worst I've played in. Um, and straight into the showers in full kit to try and ensure that Ricky's job wasn't too tough the day after. Uh, of course, we used to play on 3G. Sometimes, yes. what's he like going out there? You know, he's a, a bit of a throwback, isn't it? And we saw pictures of you yes. on our social media channels. Have a look there to see Harrison covered head to toe in mud. Yes. Uh, is it slightly refreshing sometimes? Or? It is. It is definitely. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, I wasn't covered head to toe in mud. I mean, my front was, but my, my back was, and I was definitely one of the cleanest. There's probably members of the crowd that were dirtier than me, to be honest with you. But... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's always humbling. It, always, it is always going away to, to places that obviously don't have the luxury that we do with the three, the, the, the 4G. Um, it certainly makes you kind of think how lucky you are at Ealing to have them facilities, but it's also good to remember that rugby isn't just played on 4G pitches and that we need to be able to adapt and play on the muddy pitches every now and then. And I thought we did really well to, to, to go there and, and put the rugby together we did. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Ricky's face was definitely... Uh, on the more upset side when he saw the state of some of those kits coming off the pitch, uh, knowing that the, the cleaning that had to be done to get all that mud off. But a good sign that you did adapt to the conditions. Yes, isn't it? yeah, very much so. We, we, we played the conditions as best we could. We put some process together. I thought we controlled the game, controlled the game as best we could. Um, and St. Albans certainly gave it, gave it their best shot. I mean, they were, they were a set of big boys, so they, they were equally putting up their jumpers and, and trying to get through us. <clears throat> but our defence, you know, held very, very well. I mean, for the First 20 minutes of the second half, um, you know, we were under the cosh massively and we held them out. And, uh, you know, the second half, I think, was, was scoreless in the end. And, you know, St Albans gave it everything they did. And, you know, as, as we've shown from not only St Albans, but the whole season, 
our, our defence certainly defines us in in what we're what we stand for in Ealing 1871, and um, I think we can come away from that. Our heads felt held very very high um, with with how we played in the, in the conditions. Now let's uh, take you back to when you first came down to Ealing. Down yes. That this way. Where, how old were you when you started? Because you have been here. Yes, uh, so I was about five, five or six, so I'm at about season 18, 19. Um, certainly probably living my dad's dream of, of a rugby player. Um, you know, I come down, didn't really know what to make of it. I was playing a bit of football at school at the time, you know, primary school stuff, trying different things. And uh, yeah, rugby was, was kind of the only thing that ever really stuck. You know, I tried athletics, I tried football, but... You know, it was always, it never was the, the crack and the friends and the environment that Elam was. And, uh, you know, this place was very, very different when I first was here. You know, everything was mud and grass as, um, you know, and it's just amazing to see how much the, the club has changed. But yeah, five or six rugby rats running around as we were called. And uh, yeah, it was good fun. Really good times. Really and, good times. And when do you start taking it a bit more serious? Obviously, you're part of the academy. Yes, yeah, so about 15, 16, uh, you, had the, you had the kind of baby academy and then you had the senior academy and uh, that was all feeding throughout, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old. And then, you know, about 16, I, uh, I had the, the chat with, uh, I think Dave Samuels was my coach at the time in the academy, um, had a chat with him about looking to play up a couple of years, uh, you know, under 18 stuff. We eventually got there. We'd done really well as under 18s. Um, and then, yeah, at 17, 18, I was fortunate enough to, to be playing under John Lacey in the academy uh, with the likes of kind of Paul Johnson and, and, and Tom Gamage uh, to be playing for the under-21s, under-23s at kind of 17, 18. And I, I stuck that the whole way through till I was about 20 when, unfortunately, the academy kind of dissolved. Um, and, and then we all, you know, those that stayed became a, a big kind of Elin amateur side and those that, you know, I played with that went on to do to do bigger and better things. And some of them just, you know, knocked it on the head and, um, you know, still made lifelong friends from it. Um, and they were really, really good times, you know, getting the coach up to Nottingham or playing against, you know, England age grade sides. You know, they're all really, really good experiences. And, and I'm glad I went through through with all of it and massive learning curves for me as well. And, uh, you know, I met some great, great lads that I'm still fortunate enough to play with now. So who were the, who were the guys... Uh, so Josh Stedman's probably the, the longest serving one. Uh, me and him probably started rugby at the same time. I know my, my dad found a picture of me and him the other day, you know, in massive T-shirts, tiny little shorts, long socks, big heavy boots, you know, at kind of six, seven, eight years old. So Josh Stedman I've been playing with for a long, long time. Um, his brother, also I met in the academy. Uh, Harry Vidler, someone I met in the academy. Uh, Tim Hitchcock, Pat Nash. And there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of boys out there that, that are familiar faces. Rasan as well, that's just come back, you know, into rugby this season. Um, it, yeah, it's been great, you know, that, that, you know, a lot of boys did have the potential to play higher. But it's great that, you know, they, they found, they've kept to their roots with Elin. And, and we've all kind of come together to, to give this 18, 1871 the best shot we can at, at getting them through the, through the uh, leagues. You're listening to the Ealing 1871 podcast. Bleed Green! Of course, Saturday you played scrum half, yes. but also a bit of fly half. Bit well. of fly half, you yeah. A bit of fullback as well. You yes. The wing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Where are you happiest? Uh, on the pitch, to be honest with you. Um, I'm very much, you know, through all junior academy, senior academy, I was very much one of that utility. So it's right, wingers injured, H, you're coming on, yeah, perfect. Fullbacks injured, you're coming on, perfect. Tens injured, or you're starting 10, or you're starting nine. And for me, 
I, I can't I can't be fussy as long as I'm on the pitch and I'm playing. I I I really I really don't mind. Obviously, this year I've been utilised more as a nine. I started at ten, uh, had a bit of an injury. Uh, Harry Vidler came in, uh, which was great. You know, to come in, it's a very good player to come in and play ten, and then you know. Now I've kind of transitioned to a bit of a nine, uh, having one of my best scoring seasons this season, feeling you know the fittest and strongest I've ever felt. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to play wherever um, you know Mark needs me to play, and uh, yeah, as long as I'm on the pitch with the boys and sharing the experience and and, and creating history because that's what we're doing here at Elin. You know, we're creating a, a a history of its own density. You know, we're not Elin trail finders. You know, they're doing their own thing in the championship. They're, 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 you know, they're amazing, especially from where I saw them, you know, as I followed them as a 14, 15, 16 year old to now. Um, at, but, but to have a name as Elin 1871 and see us fly up the leagues and play well is, is really something to be proud of. So yeah, I'm very happy to play anywhere on the pitch. Now you, you do like a cross kick, don't you? I do, of course. When did that start? And, and are you able to get it in as much now your scrum half? No, not as much. Um, I mean, kicking, I've always loved. I've always loved kicking. It's, it's such a closed skill. It's such, you know, something you can practice for hours and hours and hours by yourself. Um, I think my, my earliest memories of kicking were, you know, when uh, Vallis Way was all mud. There was no 4G. And I, I used the ball boy at kind of 11, 12, 13, 14. And I just used to take my tea with me on a Saturday morning before the game, take a rugby ball, and then at halftime when the players went in, I went up on the pitch, set myself up in front of, I don't know, 300 people. And I just practiced my kicking in my own time in front of all the fans. You know, they'd cheer me ironically when I missed and have a laugh and whatever. But yeah, that was my earliest memories of kicking. And I just loved doing it. Um, yeah. And, you know, ever since it's kind of been out of hand, drop kicks. And then it's evolved into can you spiral it? Can you do this? Can you do that? But yeah, I've always had a you know a pretty decent boot, so I've always enjoyed training it and practicing it because I think it's uh, you know to be a utility back, which I effectively am, it's important to be able to have as many kind of strings to your bow as you can. So, uh, what's the furthest you kicked from? You scored points from? Oh, scored points from probably just inside my own half, so probably about forty-five meters. Probably the best I've scored points from, and I think that was in a in a men's amateur game. Uh, with the twos a couple of years back. I think we had a penalty and I just hit it before half time and I nailed it. But I think in training, I probably got about 55, 55 metres in me. But yeah, I haven't done too much kicking recently, so don't ask me to go out and do it now. <laughs> now, because away from playing, you <coughs> coaching as well. When did that, when did you start taking that interest? Yeah, so um, when I was at college, I think, I think I always was strong in sport. I always loved it at secondary school. Um, you know, I did my BTECs, I did my GCSEs. I mean, I only got three GCSEs and one of them was sport. So it was kind of, it was almost destined to be. And then I went to college and I did my BTEC and I really enjoyed learning and facilitating sport as part of a group. And that was really good fun. And then, yeah, I attended St. Mary's, um, what am I now? 2019, 2018, 2018 to 2020, I think it was. I don't think it was a long course or 2017 to 2020, whatever it was. And that, and I came away there with a with a two one in in sports coaching science, uh, which I really enjoyed. And yeah, came straight from that job into working for a couple of independent coaching companies in primary schools, secondary schools, um, you know, different programs in youth centres and whatever. And I just loved it. I loved that you could speak through something other than just your voice. You could you could pass on a message. You can make someone's happy. Make someone happy. You can teach them new things outside of a classroom environment and and a lot of a lot of kids 
just believe a classroom environment to be negative because it's where they learn, it's where they're bored, it's where they have to sit all day. And to get them outside doing different things, interacting with each other in a different you know, way was really, really fascinating to me. And I wanted to learn more about how I can be a better coach for people that you know, may not like sport. How do I get them to like sport? And that was really fascinating to me. So yeah, took that and then yeah, full circle, ended up back at Ealing Trail Finders. <laughs> Uh, working for the community department coaching. So I was doing yeah, nursery all the way through to 18, 19, 20-year-olds, uh, coaching rugby, multi-sports, whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, that, that it kind of just spiraled into something I love doing now. And I've, I've taken coaching and put a bit of a twist on it. And I, uh, I now teach special needs. So, you know, I'm still doing sport in that environment. Uh, and I'm, I'm also learning a new skill in teaching as well. So it's uh, you know a lot of transferable skills from coaching to different jobs, and I think teaching is a is a mixture of kind of who I am, plus kind of my coaching. I mean, it's certainly probably if you ask any of the other boys, it's probably made me more annoying, uh, probably because I think I, I I know more than I than I got on the pitch for definite. Um, you know, one of those will always be I always tell people how to tackle correctly and then can't put a tackle in to save my life. But you know that's what coaches do. They're normally uh, they normally love to, to ch chat a good game about things that they may not be as good as. They always have an opinion on it. Um, but no, I think you, you see the game from different, different lights and, and you can understand why people do different things. And, and especially when you're coaching people and, and you ask them, well, you know, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? And, and you kind of, you, you understand what players see, what players understand and, and what their picture is when they are playing. So, I think, yeah, it's more so understanding why players make the decision they play, um, seeing, the, seeing the game in different lights, you know, and, and I think it's broadened my thinking to wider rugby, not just, you know, the 18 you play with on a match day, you know, how, how else can I help not only myself, but help others that, that may be new to rugby or twos or exiles or evergreens, how can I relay a message to them without sounding like an arrogant twos player or an arrogant player you know you need to be able to speak to people as people and not just players on a rugby pitch so I think that's really important out of everything is that you know you learn as a coach that you know it's yes it's kind of results driven in everything you do but you've also got to think of the person that you know they do work nine to fives Monday to Friday you know they come to, to rugby to have a bit of a, a, a relax and a kind of blow out with their mates so it kind of gives you a different a different sense of understanding people as well as you know what they do on the pitches and what they do off the pitch absolutely and uh, saturday yes the first were at home to hendon yes the seconds are at home i can't remember against who uh, i think it's um oh uh, old priorians i think Rome's the two's at home too yeah bit of a local derby there and it all starts at 215 mm -hmm. with the XLs taking on Ickenham mm -hmm. on the bottom muddy pitch. Uh, they're always fun days those days when all three teams are out. Yes, they are. It's, it's a great buzz at the club. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, everyone's jeering each other on. There's a, such an energy between, you know, all 50 players that are down here. You know, it's always, uh, it's always such a good time. And then, you know, in the bar afterwards, especially if you come away with them three wins, you know, there's a lot of positive energy coming out of the club, you know, and the exiles push the twos, the exiles push the ones, the twos push the ones, you know, it, it, it then creates that environment of togetherness as Ely in 1871, you know, you're not a ones, twos and exiles, you're not a first team player, twos player, you know, evergreen, you're, you're Ely in 1871 and, and everyone can be proud of the, the direction, you know, not 
necessarily every team in however league they're doing, but as a club, you know, it's it's really important to have that. So yeah, we're all looking forward to it. We're all ready to go. We've got a big couple of weeks coming up. You know, we've got Scottish, Saracens, Chesson, you know, towards the end of the season. They're, and they're the real big ones we have to target if we, if we want to ensure that promotion is 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 top of our priority. And uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly that we'll, we'll get there. There you, there you go. You just heard it from the man himself. So Saturday, the place to be, Vallis Way. 2.15 it all starts. Harrison, thanks for chatting. Thank you very much, Jez. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all the usual social channels. And remember, bleed green. Bleed green.